Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We are in the book of Genesis, chapter 5, verse 1. God limits our sin. Man's sin has quickly spread to epic proportions. Evil is growing out of control and its destructive consequences. God will limit the contamination of man's wickedness at all costs. God will wash the entire planet clean from sin. The Creator will start all over again a fresh new canvas. I was trying to think about this global flood and what God's intent is and with sin, and I was thinking, you know, sin is kind of like a cancer. We got to get the cancer out at all cost. We got to eradicate it. We've got to cut it out. We've got to target it. We've got to use chemotherapy and radiation, and they have those pinpoint laser beams. The technology is just incredible. And you may say, well, it's okay, just let it stay. Oh no, it will destroy you. It will take over and take your very life. And that is what's happening on planet Earth. God created it so pure and clean and man has destroyed it and contaminated and talk about pollution and spiritual sin and evil and wickedness and it's growing at such an alarming rate. It will destroy mankind. It will bring the planet down. And so God has to do extreme measures to cut it out. But you may say, well, God will get rid of the sin and it will just come back like a cancer. Yes, I know many times the cancer comes back, but we can extend life, right? You could have a much longer life. Uh, and so why let it stay? Let's cut it out. And eventually we hope for the cure of cancer. And for Christians, we hope that Jesus will come back and he will cure our sin once and for all. God is trying to limit our sin. He's trying to stop it, to hold it back, keep it in check, right? Do you remember Adam and Eve, they brought in sin through eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God was so worried and concerned, what if now they eat from the tree of life and they live forever for all eternity in their sin? And he couldn't allow that, he had to stop it. And so he sends the guard to the tree of life, do you remember? And it was to stop sin from becoming eternal. He couldn't allow Adam and Eve to live for all uh, their immortality and sin by eating from the tree of life. So he cuts them off from the tree. He sends the angel, the flaming sword. He banishes them from the garden. He closes up Eden. He kicks them out. And it's really a sign of mercy and grace so that sin will not continue forever. Trace our family tree of death. 
It did start out with a good divine origin, right? The Trinity creating man, and then from Adam, the, God creates Eve, and then the whole human race. But as we trace our roots all the way back, right, back to Adam, we're going to follow these ten generations, and we're going to see the results of sin, and it is death. Let's read it. Now, I want to kind of do an overview of the genealogies, and so I'll kind of highlight chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Verse 2, he created the male and female, right, Adam and Eve. He blessed them and named them man or mankind, if you will, or Adam, in the day when they were created. And our first human, of course, is Adam. And I want to point out at verse 5, the end of verse 5, Adam, and he died. Verse 6, we have Seth. And if you skip to the end of verse 8, and he died. And now we have Enosh, and the end of verse 11, and he died. Verse 12, Kenan, the end of verse 14, and he died. Mahalalel, and you skip to the end of 17, and he died. And verse 18, Jared, and you skip to the end, verse 20, and he died. You see what sin is doing? It's pain, it's violence, it's diseases, it's, it's out of control, and ultimately sin will kill you. And every generation, every human is dying as the result of sin. Our human mortality rate is 100%. We're all going to die unless you have divine intervention, which happens in verse 21. Enoch. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah, who was the oldest living man, 22. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. He lived only like a short life because something interrupted his life. Verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. We have one human here who doesn't end, and he died. You see, everybody's dying, everybody's dying, until we get to a believer, a righteous follower, one who communes with God, and he walks with God every day. For like 300 years, he's walking with God. He's walking in the Spirit. And God takes him up to heaven. It's the old story where he'd just walk closer and closer to God, and every day he'd follow God. And one time they were almost at God's home, almost all the way to heaven, and God said, well, you might as well come over. <laughs> Let's go home together. And he is raptured, raptured from earth, 
taken to heaven, and he escapes death. What an incredible thing. Can I tell you, if you will walk with Jesus faithfully, when he comes, you will be raptured, and you too will escape death. This has happened also, I think, of Elijah. He walks with God, the powerful prophet, yes? And God sends a chariot pulled by horses, yes? And he's brought up to heaven. And Elijah, in 2 Kings 2.10, also escapes death. This is our hope. This is our promise. The rapture of the church in the last days which we live happens. The rapture seems to happen throughout the Bible, even all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. 25, Methuselah, who is the oldest man, right? Verse 27, how does he end? And he died. There was a man who cut up scriptures from his Bible and he passed them all around and he handed a gentleman this scripture about Methuselah and how he lived so long, 969 years, and he died. And as the man read the verse, and he thought, wow, he's the oldest living man, but he died, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to face God. And he falls to his knees, and he becomes a Christian because of this obscure verse about Methuselah. I mean, it is the power of God. The most unusual verses can bring people to the Lord. Lemek. And we skip down to verse uh, 31, and he died. But he becomes the father of Noah. Let's read it. Let's see. Verse 29. Uh, well, let's read 28. Lamech lived 182 years, and he became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah. And the name Noah means rest, like peace, rest, saying this one will give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord God has cursed. Noah. Verse 30, and Lamech lived 595 years after he became the father of Noah, and he had other sons and and daughters, 31. So all the days of Lemech were 777 years, unusual number, and he died. Noah was 500 years old, and Noah became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah will bring rest in more ways than one, kind of rest in peace for all humanity, because with Noah will come the flood, and Noah will bring rest for his family and the rest of death, I think, for all humanity, the millions of people. We see 10 generations here. There probably is more. They have multiplied like rabbits. I mean, they're probably having 12 kids apiece, you know. It's probably become millions upon millions. And the humans are becoming contaminated and evil and violent and out of control. But there is one righteous branch, 
There is our hope, there is our salvation. Righteous Noah, who's a godly husband, a godly father, and he raises these three boys. This family becomes our future, our remnant, our survival. Sin spreads throughout humanity and all flesh becomes corrupt. Let's read it. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now it came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they took wives for themselves whomever they chose. Controversial verse. There's different views. Some believe the sons of God are angels fallen from heaven come down to earth, and out of disobedience and rebellion, they mate with human wives, and they create giants. They take the book of Job, where it talks about the sons of God as angels. Uh, they feel this is Satan's way of contaminating and destroying the human race by intermarrying with it. Uh, it's a controversial view. It is my view, though, that the sons of God are the line of Seth, the line that Jesus will come through. They are the more righteous and godly and obedient, and they mate with the line of Cain, Cain who killed his brother Abel. And you have the righteous and the godly, and they intermarry with the worldly, and the unbelievers, and we call this being unequally yoked. And you may know as a Christian, God says, don't marry a non-Christian, right? And you think, well, I'll save them, I'll pull them up. Yeah, or they may pull you down, right? And then what happens with the kids? They're the tug of war in between. I want my kids, you know, to come to church. No, I don't, I don't believe in God, you know. And you have this battle. And I believe it is um, a compromise that the righteous have compromised with the wicked and now all humanity is corrupt. Uh, Jesus said, in heaven there is no marriage, there is no mating, we will become like the angels, which I don't believe have relations with people. Uh, and if it was demons, I don't think demons are having marriages and weddings and having their wedding cake and a great old party right before they attack the human women. You know, why get married if you're a demon? Just attack them, do whatever, have your way. And so I don't see uh, demons having weddings like the bride of Chucky, you know, it's just crazy. So. It is my opinion, it's the carnal men are taking the godly women, you know. And you bring the bad boy home and your parents say, oh my gosh, baby, don't marry him, he doesn't believe in God. But he's so handsome, I want him, right? And so it goes. The corruption, the fall of humanity. Verse 3. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. I think God is fighting humans, not demons here. 
I won't strive with humanity and their corruption and they give in and they marry wickedly and they turn against me. They become violent and perverse and nasty because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years. Man has become so horrible that God says, I have to lessen his sin by shortening his lifespan. Do you see in the genealogies, they're living like 900 years, like nine centuries. Now they're only going to live like one century. At the max, 120 years. What do we call them, centennials? Do you know where the most centennials live? Most of the people on earth today that live over 100 years old, they live in Japan and they eat fish. Go figure. <laughs> God limits their lifespan. Verse 9, the Nephilim, or some would translate them, uh, in the original language, it's the word fallen ones. And some would say, it's the demons, right? They've fallen from heaven, or they've fallen humanity, corrupt. And many believe they're giants, right? Verse 4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God, I think the godly men, came into the daughters of men. And they bore children to them, those who were mighty men, who were of old, men of renown. Ancient man is powerful, strong, intelligent, capable of great feats, building pyramids and ancient architecture, things that we have trouble figuring out how to do today. Verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It's what we call the total depravity of man, vain imagination. It's like all they could think about, all they could invent in all their free time is used doing evil, plotting, planning, hurting, destroying. It sounds like American TV to me. <laughs> you ever watch the murder mysteries, the, the prison system, the lockups, the, I just saw the most horrible movie about this mom with her three girls in a store and this predator is released from prison and I think he had already destroyed like uh, 10 girls and they keep letting him out, right? Oh, we've rehabilitated him. And so as soon as he gets out within weeks, he's in the store uh, like a predator following this little girl and he, he takes her to get a hamburger, you know, and then he takes off with her and within hours she's found dead, dead in the river, I think. And he just keeps doing it again and again and you see the violence and the murder and the mayhem and the rape and the craziness and the evil, how sin can get so bad. And God's like, I've had enough. I can't stand it. It's too much. 
It's like all the humans want to do is invent evil. And it's the thoughts of their heart. Their heart is evil. I was looking at a little poster. It says, follow your heart. And I'm like, but my heart is evil. What does the Bible say? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I don't want to follow my heart. My heart deceives me. My heart wants to sin. My heart causes me to say and to do horrible things come out of my heart. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. Follow the Bible. Your heart will trick you. It will give you vain imaginations and make you totally depraved. Verse 6. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. You see, the heart of man which is evil, and the heart of God which is good. And God's heart is grieved, and it's sick with pain, because God sees how evil man has become. Man's sin is God's sorrow. God's heart is broken, and he cannot allow it to continue. Verse 7, the Lord said, I will blot out man. What an unusual word. I think the NIV say wipe out. But this idea of blotting out, you ever blot something out with an ink drop, with paint, I'll put paint over it. I'll put a big liquid spot over it and cover it up. God says, I will blot out mankind with a liquid water. I will create a flood that will wash away every human being from the face of the earth. I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land from man to animal to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. And I was thinking, is God sorry that he made me? Is God sorry that he made you? But Jesus can change that. Through the power of the cross, he can save you and cleanse you and bring an end to your sin. And God can be pleased at your presence. And God can be happy that he made you because of Christ. God's having regrets. God's thinking, this is not what I signed up for, right? Have you ever entered something and it became totally different? It became out of control. This marriage isn't going right. Why are you being aggressive and mean and you're cheating on me and you're beating me and you're high and you're like an animal to me? I, I need to bring an end to this. Have you ever had a family member out of control? We cannot allow you to bring this violence and perversion and drugs and alcohol into this home. We've got to bring an end to this. This is chaos. 
Maybe you had a job and the boss is yelling and screaming and it's out of control and it's, it's so brutal and you're like, I've got to quit this job, right? And you find yourself in a situation that sin and, and corruption and evil and perversity, it becomes so horrible, you're like, I've got to get out of this. And God says, this humanity thing, this beautiful creation has gone haywire and I've got to start all over again. It's the grace of God. He can end a horrible situation in your life and bring a good situation in its place. I've seen it. I've experienced. There is hope. There is renewal. There is second chances. There's do-overs with God. So don't feel, I'm trapped, I can't get out. No, God will make a way. He'll make a way of escape, and he'll give you something even better. Verse 8, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Does God find favor in you? Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.